Well, once again, good morning, everybody. My name is Alan, and welcome. We are in week three of this series that we've been calling How to Build a Life. What we're doing is we're looking at a small book in the New Testament called Colossians. This book has four chapters in it, so over four weeks, we're looking at one of the chapters each week. And so today, if you have your Bible, you can open there. We're going to spend our time in Colossians chapter 3. And as, you, as you've uh, seen here and see up on the stage, our theme for this series is the concept of Legos. And what I explained a couple weeks ago when I started this series is that I love Lego. L- love Lego. Grew up playing with Lego. Love giving Lego to my kids. I love Lego sets. I love the genius of the master builders who create these sets. Uh, They have a number of shapes and colors for different uh, pieces that they create, uh, just an ingenious way of using the same piece in a number of different ways. Just really great stuff. Do you know how many different colors of Lego there are? What's your guess? Somebody said a thousand. That's a little high. That's, yeah. It's uh, it's you would think you know seven, eight, ten, fifteen, or whatever. There's over a hundred, over a hundred different colors of Lego, and over ten thousand different shapes of pieces. Ten thousand different molds that they create the pieces out of, and so. These geniuses take these different colors and shapes and create these Lego sets. What's, of course, even more great about Lego, more than the Lego sets, is the Lego creations that kids and adults can make because of the ability for all of these pieces to fit in different ways. And so, so you can make something that no one has ever made before. And some of the things that my kids have shown me, I'm quite confident no one has ever made that before. It's just this big pile of glob. Look what I made, Daddy! And you're going, yeah, you sure did. And just, just, it's just amazing, the Lego creation. Let me just tell you, there are Lego sets and there are Lego creations. You are not a Lego set you are a Lego creation. What that means is there isn't one instruction booklet that makes you exactly like everybody else, and so we're going to take the yellow one by two, and we're going to put it in exactly the same spot for everyone here in this room. But instead, you are a Lego creation, that your creator, the master builder of everything, is wanting to build you to become the man the woman that you've been designed to be. So what we're talking about in this series is how you can take your pieces and you have a role in it and you get to decide, how am I going to use these pieces and, and in what way am I going to allow the master builder to build this instead of me pushing God aside and said, I got it from here, I'm going to take my pieces and build my own life, that we just surrender to God and say, God, how do you want to use these pieces and in what way do you want me to become? who you've made me to be. That's what we're talking about here. Would you bow your heads with me again? I'd love to pray with you. Father, I am thankful for the group that is gathered here in this space. I'm thankful for this time where we carve out a part of our week that is different than everything else. This is is your time. This is our time to connect with you. And I hope, uh, Father, that you would speak to us clearly through this chapter in the book of Colossians, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the book of Colossians, again, you can turn there if, uh, if you'd like. Um, it's deep in the New Testament, deep in the Bible, near the end. 
just a small little book. And chapter 3 is essentially uh, an entire chapter where Paul talks about a metaphor of clothing, of taking things off and putting things on. He says in verse 12 of that chapter, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This really is a timeless metaphor, a concept of putting on something, because each and every one of us, every day, we make clothing decisions that shape who we are for that day. They actually have an impact on who we are. We get to decide every day what we're going to wear, and that has some effect on how that day is going to go. That if you start off a Saturday morning and you remain in your pajamas until 11 a.m., that is a different day than hopping out of bed and putting your exercise clothes on right away. It's just the clothes that you choose to put on, it has an effect on what that day is going to look like. Dads of teenage girls absolutely understand this. This is why a dad at some point will say, you are not going to school looking like that. Because dads understand that the clothes we choose to wear, they say something about us. And so sometimes dads say, I don't like what those clothes are saying. And so there's an effect that happens there. We understand this. If you've ever been in a season of life where you don't even want to go get out of bed, it's been a rough few days, it's been a rough week, it's been a rough, it, it, it's in a, a season of depression, whatever it might be, and you may just want to stay in bed and stay in your pajamas, and then you have a friend, a quote friend, who comes over and says, okay, I've had enough, get out of bed, get in the shower, put your clothes on, we're going out. We're going to a movie, we're going to the, the, to the mall, we're going to a restaurant, whatever. And you grumble and complain and leave me alone, why can't you just let me be, etc. And then you find after you actually do it and you put clothes on, you find things change. It actually has an impact on that day. And as, as upset as you may have been with that friend, you realize I'm different today because of the clothes I chose to put on. There's actually a lot of research uh, in this area in terms of how our clothes choices affect us. There's a lot of research on this because we spend so much money on clothes. There is so much money to be made on our clothing decisions. So there was a study where they had a number of people and they were all given the same white coat, an identical white coat. Half of the people were told that it is a lab coat. It's a doctor's coat. And the other half were told that it was a paint smock. It was just, a, it was for painting, is what painters wear. And what they found out is with these two groups of people, they were doing some testing that those who were wearing the, the lab coat, they, they thought they were smarter and they made fewer mistakes in the, in the process of their studies. Simply because of what they were wearing, more than the ones who thought they were wearing a, a painter's smock. Similarly, there's a group of people who are all given the exact same pair of glasses, and half of the group was told that these were designer glasses, and the other half were told that these were fake knockoffs. 
And what they found with these two groups of people is that the ones who were wearing the fake glasses actually cheated more on the tests that they were given. And they were suspicious because the test had to do with the other people and the other group. They were much more suspicious about the other group and about the other people. If you wear something that's fake, it has some kind of psychological impact on what you think of yourself, what you think of others, and how you act. The clothes that we choose to wear, they matter. The colors that we choose to wear matter. Some say that blue says, hire me. That blue is a good color choice for interviews. I don't know. Red says, kiss me. So if you're on that part of life and you're into dating or, you know, or you've just been married and that hasn't happened for a while, wear red. See what happens. Gray says, don't notice me. Just kind of let me be invisible here. Black says, fear me. You notice that a number of professional teams are wearing black more often now, that you have sports teams, they have an alternate jersey or a third jersey, and it's black because black is intimidating. And so there's a black jersey. I don't know why I'm wearing black today. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say fear me or anything. They're just, just, it's not an absolute. White says, trust me, trust me. I think part of that is that if, if you, particularly with white pants, if you can get away with white pants for a whole day without them getting dirty, there's something that you've accomplished there. And so the rest of us can say, well, I trust you for some reason. There's even a study that says, that, that studied the Olympics and professional sports and said that there was a leaning that athletes who wore red seemed to be faster than athletes who wore blue. And they were doing some of these studies, which sounds ridiculous here in Ahwatukee where Desert Vista is blue, and so that can't be true. But, but we're just, it's just fascinating with this. That, that study reminded me of something my son, who's now 17, but when he was three and he was making a decision of what to wear and which clothes would be fastest, he, uh, he wanted to be very careful about this decision, and we captured it on video that we wanted to share with you. So this is my son a number of years ago. Show you how fast they are. Okay, show you both. Which one do you think won? I think I think I won the buttons one. I think this one because I saw the part these go do all that. Okay, that's a great way of thinking out what to wear. I'm gonna be faster than Daddy. Yeah, see? See, uh, no, no, hey, I haven't done this yet. Can you play that again? Just the beginning where he swoops the shirt. We play that like a thousand times with our Can you play that? Just, be, just the beginning again. Show just the first you part. how fast they are. Okay, that's good, that's good. I love it. I just love it. He says, here's my two shirts. Which, because which one's faster? Is that, that's the one he's going to wear. It's going to affect, well, who he is. We make these decisions every day. The clothes we choose to put on in the morning, they affect who we're going to be that day. And what Paul is saying here in Colossians chapter 3 is that something similar happens in terms of our spirituality, in terms of the spiritual part of our life, that what we choose to put on spiritually in the morning, it has an impact 
on the decisions we make that day, on who we are, on the life that we are building. And so let me jump back into Colossians chapter 3. And uh, earlier on in that chapter, Paul is talking about different things to wear. And essentially, he says at the beginning, here's a bunch of things you need to take off. Here's a bunch of things you need to remove, you need to, to take off. In fact, before I do that, let, let me just say uh, that I want to put this on here because he's talking about a number of, of um, nasty outfits, a number of nasty clothes. And so what I'm going to put on is this nasty jacket, okay? This represents the beginning uh, uh, part of chapter 3 here. And he says you've got to take this stuff off. He says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And so he starts off, uh, most of this verse is talking about sexual issues. Paul understands the human condition and how much our sexual decisions have an impact on who we are that day. And we, we, we shape something in the beginning of the day in terms of what am I thinking about? What am I focused on? How am I getting started with my day? And Paul, with regard to sexual issues, he doesn't say you might want to consider removing that clothing. Instead, he says, kill it. Put to death, Paul says at the beginning of this verse. Put to death. If you see a scorpion walking across the floor in your house, as many of you have, or in a friend's house or a relative's house, what do you do when you see that scorpion? You run. Somebody runs, okay. Just run away and never come back to that house. That's one path for it. You kill the scorpion, you kill it. You don't typically, unless you're really weird, you don't play with scorpions. They're not, they're not, you don't play with these things. You don't come in and you don't see how close you can get to the scorpion and just kind of see, you know, can, how much can that tail swing? You know, I wonder how close I can get to that. You don't try to manage a scorpion and say, you know what, if we blocked it off and kept it in this part of the house, as long as it didn't get to my bedroom, I should be fine. You don't do that with a scorpion you kill it. You annihilate it. And what Paul is saying here with regard to sexual immorality, he is saying when, when, when we dabble with sexual immorality, we look at this here and there, we watch a little bit here and there, we flirt with this person that we should have no business flirting with because of their marital status or your own marital status or whatever. When we play with, dabble with sexual immorality. Paul is saying, kill it. Don't, don't go in and play with it. Don't try to see how close you can get to it and experiment with it. Don't try to manage it and just keep it in one part of your life because as long as it stays out of that part, you should be fine. As long as you compartmentalize, everything should be fine. No, just like a scorpion walking around in your house, you kill it. You annihilate it. He continues to talk here in this verse. He also talks about, about greed and idolatry, these other nasty outfits, these other nasty coats that we wear. And then he continues on with another nasty set of clothing in verse 8. 
He says, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Rid yourself of these things. Remove this clothing. We are all all familiar with anger and rage, and some of us have different levels of that stuff showing up in our lives, but we're familiar with how that impacts others and how we start off a day with anger and rage. It has an effect on what that day is going to look like. Malice is intentional anger. Malice is a word we're less familiar with, but it's like first-degree anger. It's premeditated anger. It's saying, at some point today, I'm going to get back at that person. At some point today, I'm going to have anger or rage. It's first-degree anger to say, I'm starting off my day, and I'm going to wear this jacket that says that I'm going to get after somebody. I'm going to be angry today. And Paul just says, get rid of that stuff. He says in verse 9, do not lie to each other. It's astounding how many times this concept is repeated throughout Scripture, is addressed, this idea of using our words to deceive one another and to deceive ourselves. The Ten Commandments, do not bear false witness Elsewhere in the Old Testament, it says, do not have a lying tongue. Don't let, you have control over your tongue. Don't let the words that are coming out be knowingly deceitful. Elsewhere, Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, which is part of us exaggerating and lying. It's just such a consistent thing that we struggle with. Paul says, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Since you have taken off those lousy outfits. He says, take them off. Take off the the sexual immorality stuff. Take off the greed. Take off the anger and the rage and the malice. Take off the lying that's a part of the way that we naturally start off our days sometimes. Now, all of that makes sense. Verses 5 through 9, it makes sense. We read it and we go, yeah, that doesn't seem like the best way to build a life. Okay, we got it. But the tricky part is that these things that Paul's talking about in verses 5 through 9, in our culture, they can be fashionable. They actually can look pretty decent. Because I know at one point, a couple years ago, this was a fashionable jacket. This was a reasonable jacket. It, it can look good. Paul talks about in verse 5, he talks about sexual immorality. And many of the, of the, of the sexual variances from God's plan, they're, they're, they're not repulsive uh, anymore in our culture. I mean, they're not, they're, they, they look pretty good that... that uh, Many stories of divorce have turned into great stories, and, and adultery can uh, 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 adultery, I mean, um, shows up in a number of uh, TV shows and movies and characters that we love. And hey, you know what seems to work for them? And sexual experimentation and and uh, sexual um, uh, freedom is is a very popular outfit now. I mean, it looks good. It's popular. It's it's. Um, uh, very much accepted in so many ways. It's a, it's a fashionable outfit. 
Greed, which he also mentions in verse 5. Well, greed can be a, a fashionable journey just to say, you know what, go after whatever you want. Get it, accumulate, gather whatever you want. That can be actually celebrated in our culture. In verse 9, he talks about lying. You know, how, how big of a deal is lying in our culture? For those who are in leadership, for those who are in leading companies, CEOs, politicians, you know, if, if they remain powerful and successful and profitable, then who cares if they're lying and cheating in order to get to that path? Because the end justifies the means. It just, yeah, they can, they can get away with a whole bunch of stuff as long as the end result is something successful and powerful and profitable. And so, so these, these, these lies so often can actually look pretty good. That's, that's the scariest part of this, is that they can actually start to look decent. Even lies can. You know where lies come from? You know, who's, who's known as the father of lies? The enemy, Satan. So this, this is really Satan's coat. You know, you want to say, well, who's... Well, whose coat is that? Hmm, I don't know. Could it be Satan? I mean, this, could, this is Satan's coat. And the tricky part of it is that often in our culture, it doesn't look too bad. It looks fashionable. It's not, it doesn't stand out. It's not something where we look at ourselves in the mirror or we look at, at those we love and we care about, et cetera, and we're, and we're just going, oh, man, how could you go a whole day wearing that? Instead, in our culture, it actually doesn't look too bad. It might even be celebrated in some circumstances. It actually can look fashionable. And Paul says consistently throughout these verses, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, just take off that stuff. Rid yourself. Kill it. Remove it. Take off that stuff. And he says, let me just read it again, verse 12. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So instead of all those other things, Paul says, put on love. Put, instead of wearing that other jacket, put on love. Now, if you've been around for a while, it'd have to actually be a couple of years. When we were on our journey from the other building to this building, you may recognize this jacket as the ADOT Funk jacket from a few years back just to remind you for a couple seconds Sunday morning we'll be in a new spot don't you worry just watch come on see uh, this of course is is the jacket of love I mean that's that's how could this not be but this 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 represents this other thing that we put on we we clothe ourselves with this list that Paul's talking about here Verses 12 through 14, and if you have a, a journal and going through the journal experience, and this week you have the opportunity to look more deeply at these words that Paul uses when he talks about compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility. 
and patience and what all those things look like. The reality is that when, if we choose to wake up in the morning and put on the clothes that Paul's talking about here, the clothes of love, the clothes that allow us truly to build the lives that we want to build, they may not be fashionable. I, I don't wear this jacket very often. It may not be comfortable. When we put on the things that Paul's talking about, it may actually feel tight and constricting, and you might not feel as comfortable in that outfit. Or it may be super loose. Just It may feel like you, you put on your father's coat, and it's just hanging off, and it's super loose. You're going, this doesn't fit right. Well, maybe it's because it's your father's coat, and you need to grow into it. And so the reality is, if we wake up every morning and we just put on the clothes that we know will fit right, then for some of us, we're going to put on Satan's coat over and over and over again, because that fits well. That can even be fashionable. And we go, you know, I, I, this is what I've been doing for a long time, so I'm going to keep on wearing this. Instead of wearing something that, that may not feel quite as comfortable but it truly is the thing that is moving us in the direction that, we, that our heart absolutely wants to go. I want to read these once again. Close yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That the decision we make of what, what clothes to put on in the morning, they affect how we're going to be that day. Many of you are familiar with the classic story from the 19th century of the emperor's new clothes, not to be confused with the emperor's new groove, which is a very different story, I've I've realized, completely different story. But just to remind you of this great classic story, the emperor's new clothes, it's a story of an emperor who is very vain and loves to wear very fashionable clothes and finds out that there's this one uh, designer who has some clothes that are the most elegant of all clothes. It is this outfit that is, is, is so beautiful. It's made out of such thin material that it is only visible to the most wealthy and the wise in the community. And so this, this outfit is actually invisible to the common people or to the as, the, as the original story said, to the hopelessly stupid. That's what the original story said to kids. Hopelessly stupid is what it was listed as. And so here we have these con men designers who are making this outfit. And they're making this, this, this invisible outfit. And then they go to bring it to the emperor and they walk it over carefully in a, in a monumental way over to the emperor who's real nervous because he can't see anything. And he doesn't want to be in this category of the hopelessly stupid. So he's not wearing anything. But he puts on the invisible clothes. Aren't you glad I didn't reenact that part of the... Okay. So he puts on this invisible outfit. And all of his uh, servants and, and support staff and all of that, they're all nervous because they can't see anything either and they don't want to be the hopelessly stupid. So everyone's going, wow, how majestic, how beautiful is that? And so the king walks around wearing nothing. 
until a boy comes up and says, but he's not wearing anything. That boy was from Phoenix. I didn't know that 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 smart boy went up to the emperor. What a great story. That's just a great story of the emperor's new clothes. This idea of the emperor thinking he's wearing something beautiful and fashionable when it was all a lie. It was all just a lie. See, you and I, we, we are born wearing Satan's coat. We're born into brokenness and selfishness and sinfulness. As a result of Adam and Eve and that story deep in the, in the Bible story, every man and woman on this planet who wants to build a great life, we start off with brokenness. We start off wearing Satan's coat. And many of us here in this room, even if you're a believer, many of us have mornings where we wake up and we start the day off wearing Satan's coat because our thoughts are all about ourselves. That's what verses 5 through 9 are all about. It's, we start off our day, it's all about me. And I am going to pursue my pleasures at whatever cost. And I'm going to be angry and have rage against anyone who gets in the way of my pleasures, the way I want to enjoy my day. And I'm going to be angry at anybody else. And I'm going to lie in order to experience all that I want to experience for me. And that's, that, that's Satan's coat that is so often the way we start our day. And Paul's challenge here, he's, he's, like, he's like the little boy here in Colossians 3, just comes out and says, wait, wait, wait a minute. It's, it's all a lie. It's all just a lie. Satan's coat is just a lie. You think it's fashionable. You think it's beautiful, but it's not. And he says, there's a, there's a better way of doing this. The title of this message is The Follower's New Clothes, that if you're a follower of Jesus, we get to wear the truth. It may not be fashionable, it may not fit us as well as we'd like or whatever, but we get to wear the truth about who God is, about who we are, and about how much God wants us to love other people. That it's not about us, 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 us. If you and I want to build a beautiful life, and we do, If we want to move in that direction, it has to go beyond me. It has to go beyond us. That's Satan's coat. But the coat of love, the coat from chapters 12 through 14, they're about reaching beyond ourselves to loving others. Loving others. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. All of these things are about others. If you're doing a journal this week, there's a time in the group session where a great question is asked, and that is, what's what's so great about the metaphor of clothing that Paul uses here in chapter 3? What's so great about the clothing metaphor? Well, the reality with clothing is that we make a decision every day what we're going to wear. Every day we make that decision and it affects what that day is going to look like. This morning, you made a decision of what you were going to wear to church. 
And as I look out, I see some of you made some really good decisions. <laughs> Others of you, not so much, says the guy in the pink coat. But, but you made a decision, and that decision shapes how you feel about yourself. And, and that, 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 the, the decisions that led to you choosing the outfit that you have on, that, that has something to do with how you feel about yourself and what happened yesterday and what your plans are. I mean, it's, it's all of this stuff, but, but it's so... It applies so beautifully to the spiritual world that every morning we get to decide what clothes am I going to wear. And if you are a follower of Christ, why would you want to wear your old clothes? If you're a follower of Christ, why would you want to wear Satan's coat? Why would you want to allow yourself to put that on again? You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are a new creation. And so you don't have to wear that stuff anymore. We can choose. For and I, I pray that it would shape us in the days to come. I, I, I've never seen Colossians 3 like I have in the past few weeks, and I just love this image of, of clothing, this decision we all can relate to. But I pray in the weeks to come, God, that there would be mornings where we are reminded of your word, that it's not just a Sunday morning moment but it is a Wednesday morning action plan that shapes that day. It shapes how we treat other people and it shapes how we see ourselves. God, I pray for your word to move us and change us as we know it can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.